Hey, new song, Tribe. I brought a word this last Sunday calling us back to our original vision of having the kids part of what we're doing on Sunday morning instead of sent away doing something else. I used a parallel of the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness about to go into the promised land and where we're at today with the prophetic words being spoken over this generation that kids will lead us into the next revival. I hope that this challenges you and gets all of us on board regarding the priority of our kids in our midst right now. So I got something I want to share with all of you. From the oldest to the youngest, I'm kind of excited about it because the Lord has shown me a few things recently that I've never seen before. But before we do that, I want to get to um, a really great story in the Old Testament about the promised land. So let's pray and we'll jump right in. Thank you, God. Thank you for your presence here. Thank you for meeting us here this morning. We love you, God. We're so grateful that we belong to you. We ask you to continue to move and pour out your spirit in our midst right now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so listen up. We've got the promised land. It's just within the grasp of the children of Israel. They send spies into the land to check it out before they go in. And the spies come back. And I want to read with you starting in... Numbers 13, verse 25. At the end of 40 days, the spies returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of the Anak there. That's the giants. We saw the giants there. Okay, so I'm going to ask for a real quick demonstration of something right now. Where's Reef? I'm right here. Come on over here. Matt, can I get your help? Matt, can you stand up on this table right here? Oh boy. Right here. Oh boy. You don't have to take your shoes off. So this is an Israelite walking through the land and checking out the people and going, oh wow, that's a big city. That's a fortified city. And that, oh! <laughs> okay, so, so so actually later, the spy said that those giants made us feel like grasshoppers. And we looked like grasshoppers to them. Okay, thank you. Thank you, guys. <laughs> It's pretty intimidating. <laughs> Let's skip to chapter 14. Chapter 14. And let me read there real quickly. Listen carefully. Here's the response. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry 
And the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. What does prey mean? Anybody? Food. Sought after. Death. Right. Plunder. Wow. That's good. Oh, man. At this point, the Lord steps in and he says, move out of the way, Moses and Aaron. Get out of the way. I'm going to destroy them all. Moses intercedes for the people. He asks God, please don't destroy them all. God listens to Moses' plea. He considers it, and then he delivers his judgment. Let's read Numbers 14, verse 26. And the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron, saying, How long shall this wicked congregation grumble against me? I have heard the grumblings of the people of Israel, which they grumbled against me. Say to them, As I live, declares the Lord, what you have said in my hearing, I will do. Your dead bodies will fall in this wilderness. And all of your number listed in the census from 20 years old and upward who have grumbled against me, not one of them will come into the land that I swore to give them to dwell in, except Caleb and Joshua. Listen to this. Verse 31. But your little ones, who you said would become prey, I will bring them in, and they shall know the land that you rejected. Wow. Okay, have it your way. You are going to fall and die in this wilderness. And your kids that you thought would be destroyed by these giants, they're going to go in and take the land. All right, so here's something important to note. The promised land is a symbol for us today of many things. Now, the promised land, that actually did happen. That was a physical fact. That's history. The Israelites grumbled. They didn't go in. Forty years later, their kids went in. It's a historical fact. But for us today, it's also a symbol. Today... The promised land means our own unique destiny that God has promised us, number one. Number two, it means our collective destiny as brothers and sisters in Christ. Number three, it means our everlasting reward, heaven. But most importantly, number four, this is the priority, it means the kingdom of God. It means the expansion of God's domain. It means the expansion of God's will right here on earth. That's what the promised land symbolizes for us today, expanding God's kingdom. Okay, now let's jump over real quick to Mark chapter 10. 
starting in verse 13. And they were bringing children to Jesus that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw it, he was angry and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it. Okay, so this is an amazing story. Jesus is ministering throughout the land of Israel, and people are always crowding in around him. And at one point, parents are letting their children in to crowd around him. The disciples start to try to form a barrier and block the children from coming in. Jesus is pretty ticked off about this. And he rebukes the disciples and says, don't do that. Don't do that. Let the children come in. This is what the kingdom of heaven looks like. They are what the kingdom of heaven looks like. The same kingdom of heaven that it is now our job to expand. Just as we talked about that symbol of the Israelites entering into the promised land. In the case of the Israelites, the parents, the moms and dads, lost that right. They didn't go in. And the Bible says their dead bodies fell in the wilderness. The kids went in. And now Jesus is saying, don't forbid these kids. This is what the kingdom of heaven looks like. I want to point out, we're not talking about maturity. He's not saying the kingdom of heaven is full of immature people. Let me just point out real quickly that 1 Corinthians 14.20 says, Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In regards to evil, be children. But in your thinking, be adults. So he's making a distinction between the way a kid thinks and the way an adult thinks in regards to evil be like kids. What do you think that means? I don't think kids really know evil like we know evil. So it's perhaps more of an innocent. Innocence? That's fantastic. I think Jesus is also drawing a contrast and saying this is about obedience. If you can be obedient like a child... That's the kind of childlikeness I'm talking about. If you can be innocent like a child, that's the kind of childlikeness I'm talking about. So funny, when we were doing communion earlier and I got to go around with the cup of juice representing the blood of Jesus. And it's fun to watch the difference between adults and kids in the communion. So when adults dip, every single one of you, when you guys dip, you look like there's a scarcity on grape juice. <laughs> it's like somebody just bought the last bottle out of Walmart. It's like, you know, we got to be careful with this. Okay, the way the kids dip is like they're fishing. It's like, it's like the prize is at the bottom of the grape bowl. I got to find it and fish it out. Kids have that built-in adventurous determination. Somebody said fearlessness earlier, right? So that's part of that whole innocence thing. They, most kids don't know that there's such a thing as a need to fear. I mean, I'm watching my granddaughter, Sammy, and she just kind of does things like right off the ledge. That's what her life looks like. It's just kind of, just kind of craziness right off of a ledge kind of thing. 
I'm bringing this up today because there have been some really amazing words in the last several years about our kids. Prophetic words about this generation right here. Really big prophetic words about this generation. There have been many nationally renowned prophets saying things like, the next great move of God will be led by our kids. Wow. Did you guys hear that? The next great move of God will be led by you. (laughs) The next great move of God will be led by you. The next great move of God will be led by our kids. Yes. Now, I want you to think about this. Does this infer that we, as adults in this generation, dropped the ball? The Israelites needing to cross into their promised land and grab hold of their destiny, and they dropped the ball. And their kids went in instead. So if we put that metaphor, that symbol, back on us now, and many prophetic voices are saying, our kids are going to take possession of this great inheritance. Is it possible that it's because we as adults dropped the ball? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but I know this. If I am going to die in the desert, I'm going to do it with my last breath working to raise up kids that can take the land. Come on. That's right. Amen. Breathing life into kids and believing, yes, they will get to see what I may not get to see. They will get to see giants come down. They will get to see territory taken back from the enemy and given to us, God's kids. That's what, even if I die in the desert, that's worth living for. So in addition to those really big prophetic words, the Lord's even spoken to us and to our community of house churches, even just recently, with a call back to focusing on the kids when we gather together. Now, I'm not talking about moving Jesus out of the way. Jesus is always going to be our sole focus when we gather together and worship. But what I mean is this. What does do not forbid them look like today in our current church culture? I have a good buddy who lives in Florida and he he has seven kids and when he was raising those kids, They visited several different churches. They wanted their kids to be with them in the big church, in the sanctuary. And there was a couple churches they went to where literally an elder or deacon or somebody in the church came to them very quietly, very politely, and said, please take your kids out. In other words, your kids are forbidden from being in this room right now because we're doing a whole different kind of presence of the Lord than what they're going to get back there. That's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> it is. That's what I think. Yeah. It is. Come on. I want to Jesus be- says, let them come. Oh. Don't forbid them. 
They are what the kingdom of heaven looks like. Let them come. Have we been focusing on our kids and recognizing there's a call on their lives and perhaps in this generation specifically, there's a call for them to lead us into new territory and kingdom expansion? This prophetic word that hit us recently was a really great reminder because we actually have this church, New Song Church, this family of house churches, we actually have in our vision statement written out what these gatherings should look like regarding kids. And Tiffany and I have taught foundation podcasts on this very subject and said it should look like this, this, and this, and this. And guess what? We haven't been doing it. We, me, all of us. We've not been doing it. It should be focused on the kids. What a huge opportunity. We're talking it all the time and praying, Lord God, please let us disciple pre-believers. Well, here they are. They're just smaller than we anticipated. So, I want to go to one last really amazing thing that I've never noticed before. We're going to have to start in Numbers 14. Go so go back to Numbers. So they were in the wilderness 40 years, right? And right here it says in Numbers 14, 33, and your children shall be shepherds in the wilderness 40 years and shall suffer for your faithlessness until the last of your dead bodies lies in the wilderness. So this is what the children faced. They faced, we're going to be shepherds in the wilderness for 40 years. All of our parents are going to die off. And what I want you to know is that during those 40 years, they were not just shepherds. During those 40 years, they were trained to be warriors. In fact, they fought seven battles during those 40 years. There were nine attempted battles, but the Israelites just fled. They ran away twice. But they engaged in battle seven times. I'm talking about hand-to-hand combat. Fierce battles. Seven times that happened during those 40 years. But what I want to share with you real quickly right now is something that I never really noticed before. And that is that as they're walking through the desert and as they're seeing these nations and as Moses is saying, yeah, you got to go fight those people take them down. Seven times that happened. That in addition to that, there were three times where they saw a nation and God said, leave them alone. I want to look at that real quickly. Let's jump over to Deuteronomy. Go to chapter two. And I'm going to skip around a little bit in here. So I'm going to start with verses one through five. And this is Moses sharing about their time in the wilderness. He's looking back. Deuteronomy chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Then we turned and journeyed into the wilderness, into the direction of the Red Sea, as the Lord told me. And for many days we traveled around Mount Seir. Then the Lord said to me, You've been traveling around this mountain country long enough. Turn northward and command the people. You are about to pass through 
territory of your brothers, the people of Esau, who live in Seir, and they will be afraid of you. So be very careful. Do not contend with them. That means fight. Do not contend with them. For I will not give you any of their land. Did you guys hear that? Moses commands them, leave these people alone. Now I want to skip to verse 8. And halfway through verse 8, he says, And then we turned and went into the direction of the wilderness of Moab. And the Lord said to me, Do not harass Moab or contend with them. Again, contend means what? Fight. Fight. Do not fight with them in battle, for I will not give you any of their land for a possession, because I have given heir to the people of Lot for a possession. Did you see that? Now skip to verse 17. The Lord said to me, Today you are to cross the border of Moab at Ar. And when you approach the territory of the people of Ammon, do not harass them or contend with them, for I will not give you any of the land of the people of Ammon as a possession, because I have given it to the sons of Lot for possession. Okay, now first of all, we skipped over several different comments from Moses. Moses is the one who wrote this. Some of the things that we skipped over were side comments. We call them, adults call them, parenthetical statements. It's kind of a side comment, a side comment like this. Okay, let's say, let's say that your leg, what's your, what's your name? Summer. Summer. Summer, let's say that your leg is broken. And I walk over to you and say, oh, Summer, I'm so sorry to see that your leg is broken. How'd that happen? And you say to me, well, I was at the park. The flowers were so beautiful at the park. But somebody ran into me at the park, and I fell down and, and broke my leg. Okay? Do you guys understand something like that? Now, she, she described what happened, but she included a side note. What was it? That's right. The flowers were beautiful at the park. It's interesting. It's a fact. It's not part of the specific story of how you broke your leg. And so we put that statement in parentheses and call it a parenthetical statement. It's a side comment. Moses makes a ton of side comments in this passage that we just read. They're historical facts. They're kind of interesting facts. And now I want to go back and read some of them. Deuteronomy 2, verses 10 through 12. Listen to this. Here's the first side comment. The Emmon formerly lived there, a people great and many, and as tall as the Anakim. That's the giants. Like the Anakim, they are also counted as the giants of the Rephaim, but the Moabites call them Emmon. The Horites also lived in Seir formerly, but the people of Esau dispossessed them and destroyed them before them and settled in their place, as Israel did to the land of their possession, which the Lord gave to them. Now, the next parenthetical statement, the next side comment. Let's go to verse 20 through 22. It is also counted as the land of Rephaim. Rephaim formerly lived there. That's the giants. But the Ammonites call them Zamzumin, <laughs> a people great and many, and 
tall as the Anakim. They were giants. But the Lord destroyed them before the Amorites, and they dispossessed them and settled there in their place, as he did for the people of Esau. Wow! What an incredibly important side note. Imagine the conversations that these Israelites that were kids when their parents said no to going in. And now they're growing up in the wilderness and they're walking through the wilderness. They've had seven battles where the Lord said, take out that nation. But three times in their journey, they walk along and imagine seeing a nation there in a valley. And you say to Moses, are we going to go fight them? Right. Moses says, no, we have to leave them alone. So they say, why? Why do we have to leave them alone? Who are they? And listen to this. Moses says, they're your relatives. God gave them this land. They had to take it from giants. Three times. Three times being that restoration, like when Jesus spoke over Peter. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. He's restored. He's restored. Three times, Moses speaks over the children of Israel wandering through the wilderness. You can't have that land. You have to leave these people alone. These are your relatives. And they took out giants to get this land. Restoring them into a people of faith. Your relatives took the land from giants. The very thing that you are about to do. You're about to go take it from giants. That's exactly what Moses was saying. Saying to all these kids that were growing up, from toddlers to 19-year-olds who had grown up 40 years in the desert, and now they're hearing from Moses, you can do this. God brought victory to your cousins, and they took out the giants. Did you hear me? God brought victory to your brothers, and they took out the giants. God brought victory to your uncles, and they took out the giants. And now it's your turn. After the very last time that Moses says, see those people, you can't take that land. God's protecting them because they went in with faith, and they kicked the butts of the giants and drove them out right after that is when they went in. It's time for us as adults to champion you. Who knows what that means? What does that mean? To champion somebody. Yes, build them up. That's excellent. Good job, Thank you, Luke. (laughs) (laughs) So, When you see somebody and you see the call that's on their life and you know that the hand of the Lord is on them and you say, go, 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 go. You can do it. 
That's championing something. Yes. And this is our opportunity as adults, every adult in this room, to see with fresh eyes every single child in this room and say, it's your turn. It's your turn. It's time for you to destroy giants. Yeah. <laughs> Giant crusher. It's time to take down giants. It's time to expand the kingdom of God and take back territories that the enemy has been squatting on. And you guys are the ones to do it. And we're going to be the wind in your sail saying, go, 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 go. So, we're going to start with that right now. Right now. This morning, we're going to start with that. Because some of us in this room, some of us as adults, have already seen little pictures of what some of you as kids are carrying. What God has deposited in you. The gifts and skills and calling on your life. And some of it's starting to show. And it's very exciting for us as adults. And we don't want to ignore it. And we don't want to send you to the kitty corner. We don't want to forbid you. We want to say, the kingdom of heaven is yours. Take it and lead us. Go. Look, I want to tell every single one of you young people. I grew up in a Christian home. Holy Spirit-filled Christian home where we believed in the power of the Holy Spirit and we saw miracles. And I remember seeing several miracles when I was when I was young. Several miracles that I can remember to this day that I could tell you about in stories if we had time. But I was 50 years old before I saw for the first time with my own eyes me laying hands on a radically sick person and then instantly becoming healed. A deaf person instantly their ear opening. 50 years old. I was 50 years old before, for the first time for myself, I saw a demon go out of somebody. We call that deliverance. Right? Or I saw it. I've heard of that. I've been around it. But for me, myself, directly experiencing it, lay hands on somebody, the demon comes out. You can see it happening. 50 years old. That's not going to be your story. That's not the time that we're in. That's not the season that we're in. The season that we're in is all of us as adults taking our responsibility of raising you up to be those kinds of warriors for Jesus. To believe him for things that I apparently didn't have the belief for until I was 50. So let's do this. Let's just start by parents with their kids and other adults in the room coming alongside those parents and activating both the parent and the child towards this type of momentum, towards this type of faith, towards this type of risk taking. So this is not about, well, who's an expert in this? Come lay hands on me. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about all of us wanting more. I want so much more than what I've seen. And so we all need to pray for each other and believe it's time to be risk takers. It's time to actually see it with our own eyes. Amen. Our expectation is here's what we know needs to happen next. We know that each of you as kids 
need to come on Sunday mornings ready to bring what he's given you. When he opens your eyes to see something that you've never seen before, you're going to bring it. You're going to share it with us. When you lay hands on a friend at school or in your your neighborhood and they pray, (laughs) when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, when anything happens... You got to bring it here. You got to bring it here and share it with us because we want to rejoice with you. We're going to call each other up in this every week. This is not a, wasn't that a nice Sunday experience? This is what it's going to look like from now on. Just like this. Who's ready? Adults, are you with me? Yes.